Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. We are going to invite Bonnie to come up and she is going to speak with us this morning. She's going to share the Lord's word with us and give us some insight into kingdom living and we're really excited to hear it. So Bon, can we pray for you before you do that? So just if you feel like it at home here, reach out a hand. We're going to pray for Bon. Lord God, I want to thank you that Bon has agreed to be a vessel of your love and your life and your word, Lord God. And this morning she comes to share your word through her heart. Father, I thank you for the preparation that she has done. Lord God, right now we ask that your spirit would fill her. She would see your hand. She would see where you are moving, what you are doing, and she would follow you as she always does, Father, that she would follow you first. And Father, I ask for us as we listen that you would soften our hearts to hear what it is that you have to say to us this morning. Thank you. Amen. Oh, up. There you go. Good morning. Oh, it's so nice to see you. Morning, guys online. Great to see you too. (laughs) If you didn't hear that, you might have missed that. Somebody in the congregation went, hello, like a little person stuck in a TV. (laughs) What that might sound like. Um... I just wanted to acknowledge what a holy moment that was in worshipping together um, and praying together. It's such a holy moment, isn't it, when God's people come together to seek the Lord, to worship the Lord. It's a beautiful and precious space. Um, And we are jealous for it, aren't we? We want to fight for it. (sighs) Honestly, I'm not quite sure where to start after that. (laughs) Um, If you've been with us for a while, you'll know that we are looking at the life at the moment of the Apostle Paul. And we're tracking through his life. And the heart behind the series is really, you know, often when we think about Paul, we think about doctrine, theology, awkward passages people like to avoid, tricky passages that cause a lot of strife and separation. But at the end of the day, Paul is just a person like you and I. And he had a life and a relationship with Jesus, just like we're called to. And so part of our heart in going through this series is, that, is to remind ourselves of who Paul the man was and what some of the things are that he went through in his life. And then hopefully as we look, then look at the doctrine and his theology, it gives us a better and broader understanding of why he wrote, wrote what he wrote. Now it's interesting, you know, that we were praying for the persecuted church because uh, Paul is a man who understood persecution. He understood that. Um, If you look in 2 Corinthians 11, he goes, he like lists it. It's like four verses 
of listing. He was imprisoned frequently. He was flogged severely. He was beaten to death again and again. He got 40 lashes more than once. He was shipwrecked, stoned, constantly on the move, in danger from rivers. I think that's flooding. I'm not quite sure. Uh, maybe somebody else knows. Uh, bandits in danger from Jews, from Gentiles, from false believers, in the city, in the country, at sea. It sounds like there wasn't anywhere Paul could go without some opposition or persecution that he was facing. He toiled, he labored, he's gone without food, and he's been cold and naked. So here is a man who truly understands persecution. And this morning, uh, the, what we're looking at in Paul's life is Paul the persistent. Paul, a man who persevered, who pushed through, you know, for all those things to happen to you, you have to have a real reason, don't you, to push through. My story of perseverance is not nearly as um, huge as that, or as uh, confronting as that. Um, I don't know if we have any bakers out in the audience. I think we do, and online. I know, I know a few of you bake really well, actually. So apologies if I get this slightly wrong. Um, a couple of years ago, one of our kids came and said they have a school fate, and it needed to be old school lollies. And I said, I am going to make fudge. I don't know if anyone's made fudge before. Oh my goodness. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Anyway, I'm going to make fudge. And so I had this amazing picture in my head of these beautiful pieces of fudge that would come up perfectly and then I'd wrap them and they would just, like, it would be the star of the show on the fate table and people would walk past and they would be like, oh my gosh, who made those? So this is, this is in my head. So I, I looked up and, you know, a few people have said to me, it's going to be hard. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I've got it. Went and got the thermometer, went, because you have to get a special thermometer. And all, got all the special stuff you needed. So got it all ready, made the first batch and I burnt it. Okay, that's okay. Do that. Made the second batch, and it wasn't hot enough. So it actually turns out like it has to be really specific, and you have to take it off at the right time. Like everything's got to be really specific. Anyway, I made about five or six batches. Needless to say, there was caramel in there, there was something else. I had to rearrange my whole idea and thought about what this would look like because it just was a bit like. So I think I got like cups and filled the fudge in the cups or anyway. It, it was not this amazing picture that I thought it would be. But you know what? I was so dogged with it. I had this picture in my head and I was like, I am going to persevere. Sweet, you know, because it gets hot on the stove and you've got to watch it carefully. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And then when it didn't quite work, I was like, no, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it again. And, you know, Paul had a picture in his mind. He knew 
what this goal was that he was heading towards. He even says it in Philippians. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward. He knew that picture. I think, I wonder, because we don't know specifically, but I wonder if that picture was the uh, interaction and that moment that he had with Jesus on the road to Damascus. That profound moment for Paul that changed everything in his life. You know, as a Jew who loved the law and who was the most fervent Jew, this was the fulfillment of all he had built his life up to. It was also the moment that shattered his very existence and changed his life in ways he would never have imagined. But I think that moment and that encounter that he had was the thing that helped him to persevere, to push on, to persist when things got hard, when things got tricky. What is the prize that you hold on to when things get tough and when things get tricky? What is that picture or that moment that you hold on to, to press through. The passage that we're reading this morning is from Acts 18. Um, and I'm actually only going to read the first sort of five or six verses. So if you want to grab your Bibles and turn to Acts 18, I know the words will come up on the screen as well. I'm just going to read them. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Rome with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your heads. I am innocent of it, for now we'll go to the Gentiles. We know that every time Paul went into a new place, he went to the synagogue first. Um, but this is pretty much one of the last times that he ends up doing that. After this, he's like, I'm really done. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. But we know that he went in, and as I was, um, that he went to the synagogues. And as I was reading this um, in preparation, the Lord stopped me at, that, at verse 4. Uh, where it says, every Sabbath he reasoned. It doesn't say how many Sabbaths. It just says every Sabbath he reasoned. And then once uh, later in verse 5, when, Paul, um, sorry, when Silas and Timothy arrive, Paul exclusively devotes himself. So here is a man who is pushing through and persisting in because of his love for, these, for the Jews. He had this encounter with Jesus. As a Jew, um, he has met the fulfillment of all he knew. 
And he is so desperate and so wants his fellow Jews to, to find that as well. We know that the Jews didn't like him very much because he had changed, switched sides. We know that the Christians didn't like him very much because they were still probably a little bit um, unsure uh, as to where he was. And so here is a man who walked into a space where he probably wasn't very accepted, but he knew what God had asked him to do. And he loved them. He loved them enough to keep going back. Something must have been happening because later on in the passage, if you read it through, actually the synagogue leader and his whole household come to faith. But before that, there's a point that Paul gets to where he seems to give up. He pushes through, he pushes through, he persists, he perseveres. But there is a moment where he draws the line. It's interesting that NIV says that they became abusive. I think one of the, some of the other translations say blasphemous. I imagine that the conversation was very robust generally. But there was obviously a point for Paul when it became abusive. Something flicked and switched. And as I read that, I just felt the Lord really challenged me and wants to challenge us that sometimes we actually give up too soon on relationships. Sometimes we walk away at the first hard thing or at the first conflict. And here's a man who knew conflict, suffered for it regularly, as we saw, and yet kept choosing to go back and I do love that there is a point where he draws the line because I think sometimes we can look at that and go, does that mean I just need to keep going back all the time, whatever, and, you know, go back without thinking about the situation? And it's like, no, there is a time in, a rela in relationships when we do need to draw the line. But I just felt that the Lord wanted to say, but the line's probably a bit further than you think it is. Persevering is really hard. You know, the danger of reading text <laughs> and words on a paper is that we don't see the heartache. We don't see the blood, sweat and tears. We don't experience or see the, um, just how hard it must have been. And we can kind of read through Paul and think he just kind of hop, skipped and jumped through all this. Well, I was shipwrecked and then I was this and then I was that and oh my gosh. But actually, it was deeply, deeply, um, like a deeply shaped Paul into who he is and who he was. It was something that was such a key part of his life, but also a key part of why he stuck and persevered through all that he did. There, there are things that stop us from persevering. I think even as, we, even as I'm just chatting now, um, my prayer is that the Lord would bring up 
in each of us, that space, whether it's a situation, a circumstance, a person, whatever it is, where we know we need to persevere, where we know we need to push through, where we know we need to hold that picture of what Jesus has put in us, and we need to press on towards that. But we also need to be aware that there's some things that stop us from persevering. I think one of the big things right now that stops us from persevering um, in this season that we're in uh, is tiredness, exhaustion. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm just tired. I just don't have the capacity to do the thing that I know I should or to say the thing that I know I should or to respond in the way that I know God is asking me to. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I just want to say what I think and I don't want to worry about the consequences. But we know that the consequences of just saying what we think without love breaks relationship. What did Jesus do when he was tired? He went and spent time with the Father. He went and hung out with his father. He went and took himself away and he prayed and he allowed, allowed the father to minister to him. We don't know what happened in those moments, but I know when I go and spend time with the father, he reminds me who I am, that I'm his. He brings refreshing, he brings healing, he brings wholeness. So if you're feeling tired this morning in the situation that you're thinking of, go spend time with your father. He has everything that we need and he will give you everything that you need. I think another reason why we stop persevering um, is because of attack from the enemy. You know, the, the enemy's number one goal in this world is to break relationship. Whether it's our relationships, our relationship with God or relationships with each other, that's his number one goal. Separate, divide, isolate. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like something that we're up against right now? I, I don't often have... Um, very, um, I'm going to say, intense prophetic words. But this week was a real wrestle for me. I asked my husband. I wasn't so fun to be around. And the reason it was a wrestle is because there was a point where I really felt God's... So I apologize if I get a bit emotional, okay? Tears are good. They're Jesus' tears. There was a point where I felt the heaviness of the Lord's heart for what is happening in his church right now and in the people of God. And I was fighting with him on this. I was like, I'm not going to do this, Lord. This feels too close to what's going on right now. <laughs> no, and I had a few moments with God. But the enemy wants to destroy the people of God. And he will use any means necessary to destroy 
the people of God. We want to be agents of the King, Jesus, not agents of the enemy. Too often we allow the division, we allow the the mistrust, we allow that to divide us. You know, we were never meant to be a group of people who all thought the same, did the same, spoke the same, looked the same. The Holy Spirit, the God as Jesus, Father, and Holy Spirit are diverse. They're different. And yet they find this place of perfect unity. We don't want to allow the enemy to come and bring division. We want to persevere and persist through relationships, through what it means to be the body of Christ in this time. You are here for a purpose in this time right now. God chose you to be around now. God has things for you to bring to the body now. And he's calling each of us to do that and to learn how to be the body of Christ even in our differences, even in diversity, even when we don't agree with or like the person next to us. Don't look at the person next to you. But that is God's heart for his church. He's under no illusion that this was going to be hard. Most of the New Testament kind of covers how do we treat each other. Even Paul, you know, relationships weren't easy. But we are the body of Christ. The body of Christ. We hold the kingdom in us. And we're called to bring the kingdom to those around us. You know that verse in scripture where Jesus says, they, know, they will know you are my disciples by the way you love, that you love each other? He wasn't joking. The thing that will distinctly define us more than anything is how we love each other, how we treat each other, and how we talk about each other. That is the thing that is going to distinctly define us and is going to display to the world who Jesus is right now. Is it easy? No. Does it mean it's going to be quite confronting? Yes. Is it going to be really hard? Yes. Is it going to hit your pride? Absolutely. But we've already died to Christ We have already given up our lives to Jesus. Oh, I think I need a breath. Jesus loves each and every one of us so, so much. And he loves each and every person in this world so, so much. And We want to be carriers of that love and not allow the enemy to bring that division. Sometimes the other reason why we struggle to persevere is because we don't have the tools. 
for persevering. You know, we all have trauma and past experiences that shape us and that mean that we struggle to push through in certain things. We need to allow Jesus to come and heal those spaces and those things in us so that we can push through and persevere through in our relationships. He totally knows your story. He knows where you've been hurt. He knows what you've been through. And he has healing and freedom in that to give you all that you need for the journey that he has for you. The thing that I love about the Bible is that it's not perfect. Paul really um, had, a, you know, had a few moments of struggling with relationship. There's a... Um, oh, I had it now. Where was it? In Acts 15, there's a situation where him and Barnabas have a, bit of, have a disagreement about whether they should take John Mark. I don't know what all the issue was there, and you, you know, different commentaries suggest different things. But, but basically, they parted ways. They separated because they just couldn't come to agreement. And so I want to say there are times, like I said before, where we do need to walk away. But I think that should be like right at the end of the line. <laughs> as opposed to too soon or too quickly. Why don't you stand with me? And if you're at home, feel free to stand as well. We're just going to allow the Holy Spirit just to come and minister to us right now. Anna, would you mind coming and just playing some keys? Thanks. So I'd just love to ask you to close your eyes. During worship, one of the, uh, the, the, part, um, one of the verses that we looked at in the Lord's Prayer was, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And sometimes in terms of pushing through and and persevering through things. Sometimes it's because there's people that we need to forgive. Maybe there's some unforgiveness in us. So just as we kick off a bit of ministry time, I'd love to encourage you that if there's somebody who, and I think for some of us, the person's probably already popped in our mind already can be more than one person as well. Um, it might be the first time that you feel like you forgive, need to forgive this person. It might be the hundredth time that you feel like you need to forgive this person. But I just, just sense that forgiveness is the place to start. So just where you are now, Bring that person to the Lord, that situation to the Lord. And allow him to speak to you, to minister to your heart. So Holy Spirit, 
Would you come? Come, Holy Spirit. I was driving to church this morning I, um, I just got a sudden pain all the way through my body and uh, I was just like oh gosh <laughs> am I okay um, but I felt the Lord say somebody this morning there's pain through your body and it's from unforgiveness I, not all pain is from unforgiveness I'm not saying that but I just sense for, for someone this morning there's been pain that you have been experiencing in your body. And that's unforgiveness. If you are sensing that that is you, I would like you to bring that to the Lord right now. Confess to him and allow him to bring healing. also got a picture just earlier on of a locked door that had a lock on it and I just sense for some people there's some spaces that you have just locked away and I don't know if the Lord is standing you in front of those doors right now <laughs> but they're locked and I felt like the key was saying to you the keys are in dealing with the trauma and past experiences if you want to unlock the door to what he has for you, you need to find the keys and healing of some of those past experiences and past traumas. So if that's you, I'd love you just, again, to bring that before the Lord. Father, I pray, just pray right now you would, by your Spirit, Bring healing and wholeness. Usually, you know, we would we would want to do sort of ministry together and get people to surround, come around you and pray. And um, I want to encourage you, if you feel like you need that to do do to do that after the service or during your week, find people to come and pray with you and surround you. But this morning, I really felt like the Spirit wants to minister to you. So we've got a few minutes. I just want to, us to keep pushing in to the Spirit ministering to you, allowing Him into that space, allowing Him to speak to you.
more of you, Lord. More of you, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Just see the Spirit beginning to hover over people. Let it come. when I woke up this morning and I saw the rain I thought oh that feels like a dreary day but somebody reminded me as we were praying that it's the Lord's refreshing washing over us the Lord's abundance thank you So, Father, we thank you for who you are. We ask as we go into our week this week, Lord, would you help us to be the people of God who persevere and persist and push through? Do you give us all that we need to be your hands and feet, to love as you loved? In Jesus' name, amen.